Okay, so uh, thanks for coming out to the service today. It's good to have you here. We we appreciate very much that you would choose to carve your time out to be here. Uh, I also want to thank those of you who are watching online. Man, wish you could have been here in person. It is way better. But glad that you are watching this video from wherever you're watching, and that you uh, you're at least connected to us this way through uh, through the internet. So glad to have you too. Before we jump into um, the new series today, I just want to take a minute and talk about Move the Mission. Um, if you are a guest with us today, or maybe it's your first time watching online, uh, just kind of bear with me for a few moments while we talk about some internal stuff. Uh, if you are a regular, hopefully you remember this, but Move the Mission is our 10-year goal as a church to become debt-free. And and the reason we have this goal is not so we can sit back and take it easy. It's not so that we can you know pad the pockets of our staff or anything like that. It's actually for the complete opposite reason, that we want to continue to do more. We believe that God has called us as a church, as a group of people, to be about his work in this world. And, and God has given us a very clear mission to draw people into a growing relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And our heart as, as a church is to reach as many people as we can. Okay, Not so we can get big, it's not about that. But because we believe that every single person, you and I, friends, family members, doesn't matter, we believe every single human being that God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to restore us into a relationship with him. And we we just simply want to help as many people find that relationship and then continue to grow in that relationship as well. And so that's that's what we do as a church. I mean, it's pretty simple. We're not that complicated or fancy. It's just reach people and draw people. God has moved on our hearts. God has revealed himself to us. It is awesome. It is wonderful. And we want to help share that treasure with as many people as we possibly can. And when you look in our history as a church, as we've committed our lives to God and then to each other, God has shown up. He's done miracles. He's done what only he can do. God is still moving in our midst as a church today. I know hear sto- I hear stories so often of, uh, of what God is doing in your lives, but the reality is there's still so much yet left to do. There's still so many more people to reach. We all have people in our lives that we know that have not put their trust in Jesus, have not been reconnected in a relationship with God. And so we just want to be about doing that work. And unfortunately, one of the big things that is slowing us down, it's not stopping us, but slowing us down is this debt we have as a church. And so we've made a commitment to one another. We're going to attack this debt and we're going to get rid of it as quickly as we possibly can. Now, I don't want to go over all the details of this. Again, if you're new, you can watch the messages, past messages on our YouTube channel. But here's kind of the the brass tacks of it. Every single year, our goal is to raise $100,000 over and above our regular giving, which you are already a very generous church, but over and above to directly pay down principal so that we can finally be done with this loan once and for all. Now, we started this... Uh, Three years ago, we've gone through two full years. In the past two years alone, together, we have already paid off over a half a million dollars on our mortgage, which is absolutely fantastic. Again, that's through that's through your generosity and not only move the mission, but just your regular giving that enables us to fund ministry and pay the mortgage. But it is a new year, new goal. Every single spring, we revisit this. We, we talked about it back at the beginning of February. I'm just sharing an update with us. We've got another $100,000 goal. And to date, where we're at right now, we're about halfway through our time frame. We are at a little over $38,000 towards Move the Mission, which is absolutely fantastic. 
If you have already given to be a part of that, man, I want you to know from my heart, our trustees, our staff, the people sitting around you that volunteer and give and serve and pray, all that, we thank you so much that you have chosen to invest in what God is doing here. But if you have not given yet, I want to encourage you to do so. I mean, I'll just be bold and ask, I want to ask every single one of us that call Access our church home, that watch faithfully online, if Access is your church home and if if you have a passion for the mission that God has given us, then I want to ask you to give towards Move the Mission. Not because you have to, okay? We, we're not in the manipulation business at all. This is not a the church just wants your money sort of thing. Honestly, from my heart, it's, I hope that you have a strong, growing, vibrant relationship with God yourself. And I hope that out of that relationship that God, God moves on your heart and put a passion that you want to reach people to, that you want to draw people. And so here's my advice for, for every single one of us. If you have not given yet, spend time with God, ask him how he wants you to be involved financially, and then just respond. Okay. Uh, we, we've kind of thrown out some numbers. Hey, if 100 families gave $1,000 over and above, we'd reach that $100,000 goal. But I don't want you to give just what I say. It's not about some, you know, spiritual measurement or something. Just as simple as it can be, I want to encourage you to spend time with God. Enjoy that relationship with him. Be open and honest. Talk to him. Ask him if he wants you to be a part of this. And then just do whatever God says. Like, just we'll just trust God with the results for this sort of thing. So um, if you haven't given already, there's still time. We're going to run this through the end of April. If you want to give cash or check, just make sure that Move the Mission is clearly marked. This has to be over and above any regular giving that you do. Um, if you want to give online, there's a fund for that as well. You can do that. And I want to say this. If you know you are going to give but haven't yet, just do it as soon as possible. The way our loan works, interest is accrued daily. And so the quicker we can pay off principal, the less interest we pay, which means it's that much more to go to prison. It just, it speeds up the whole process. So if you know you're going to give, don't wait until the end of April. Just go ahead and give now. And uh, like I said, my heart for every single one of us is that we would, we would choose, we would want to be a part of drawing people into a growing relationship with God through Jesus. That We'd want to be a part of giving out of a grateful heart for all that God has done for us already. Okay, so so that's Move the Mission. Don't forget about it. Just giving you an update of where we're at. Now, today we are starting a new uh, three-part series called One Another. Uh, the truth is we all have one another's in our lives, different relationships, friends, family, neighbors, you name it. But but oftentimes we struggle in in relationships with one another. You know, sometimes we don't have the healthiest or best relationships. And so what we're going to do in this series is take a look at some of the one another instructions that we find in the Bible. And in the New Testament alone, there's anywhere from 50 to 100 of these things, depending on how you count. We're obviously not going to go over them all. We're just choosing three to talk about. And the great thing about these instructions or these principles is that they're really good for all of our lives, okay? It doesn't matter who we are, young, old, rich, poor, black, white, male, female, these are just good principles for life. In fact, it doesn't even matter if we're a Christian. Maybe you're here today just kind of exploring what this God and Jesus thing is, or maybe you stumbled across the video somehow. These are just good instructions that will help every single relationship that we have. We ought to just do them just because it's good advice. However, for those of us that are Christians, there's also an extra impetus behind it as well. Now, 
we live in a world today where we are just, I mean, bombarded more and more with information just at an exponentially higher rate than ever before. There's so much coming at us all the time. And they say the average person speaks about 7,000 words a day. Um, If you have preteen daughters in your home, that's only about 25%, at least based on my personal experience. Uh, They say there's 300 billion, with a B, 300 billion emails sent per day. Well, I'm convinced half of them come to my inbox, okay? It's terrible, but that's that's 3.5 million every second. And another 3.5 million, another three, like, oh my gosh, just so much all the time. There are about 5,500 million tweets sent out every single day. I'm so glad I'm not on Twitter to see all of that. Uh, you know, there, there are, they estimate 20 billion text messages we send to one another. Okay. And that's just the native apps on our phones. It's not Facebook messenger and WhatsApp and whatever new stuff is out there. Now we're watching hundreds of millions of hours of video content every single day. I mean, it's just this overwhelming barrage of information coming at us. I mean, it is a wonder that we are able to even get anything done today with how much is just constantly being thrown at us. Now, researchers say that the average person has about 50,000 thoughts a day. But out of that 50,000, they estimate that anywhere from 70 to 80% are negative. That's a lot. Not only is there just this, this just incredible amount coming towards us, but the majority of it is negative, causes us to think and respond in negative sort of ways. And I, I think when we look at the culture around us, we know that this is true. You know, I mean, we, we see it. There's so much name calling and shaming and pointing fingers in our world today. And, and, and cancel culture is, is rampant everywhere. And if you're on social media, it is just full of negativity by and large. it's in our elected officials and politicians. They're biting and devouring each other. And we see them do that. And so we do that with one another too. And I mean, you, you know this, if there's somebody on the opposite side of the political aisle as you, you just think, man, they're the devil himself, you know, and we call each other these horrible names and we just, we are tearing one another apart. It's, it's said that most people are two to three times more likely to post a negative review online than a positive one. I mean, it's just overwhelming negativity that we deal with in our daily lives. Now, back in the 80s and 90s, the Gottman Research Institute studied several thousand married couples. And what they found is that married couples with a low risk for separation had a ratio of five positive interactions to every one negative. Overall, when they looked at couples that were, were the most likely to stick it out, not get divorced, not separated, on average, there were five positives for every single negative. And I think they were the first kind of organization to coin the term magic ratio of five to one. And their research with married couples actually kind of spawned several other studies in different areas of life. In the workplace, there were researchers that found that the companies and employees who performed the best, who did the best at their job, their ratio was almost the exact same. Five positive for every one negative. Now, there's going to be some negative stuff, right? There's got to be correction. There's got to be some, you know, discipline or whatever. But overwhelmingly, positive 
to negative, this magic ratio five to one. Researchers did the same sort of thing with kids in their interactions as they were growing up. I don't know how long the study was, but interactions with parents, teachers, peers, the same sort of thing. The kids who grew up to be the most well-rounded, most developed, you know, emotional sort of health and stability, same thing, five to one ratio of positive to negative. I mean, science has shown through several different studies, this five to one magic ratio is what's best for people. It's what you and I need the most. However, something being studied in a lab does not mean that's what we experience in daily life, right? We all know that. In fact, similar studies have shown we need five to one, but what we get is actually more like one positive for every three negatives. Or even some people have said one positive for every six negatives. We all grew up, I'm sure our parents told us, you know, the, the saying, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt me, right? Man, what a bunch of crap that was, you know? There are many times in my life where I would have rather taken a punch to the face than what somebody wrote about me, what somebody said about me, what somebody said behind my back. What we need is five times the amount of positivity, but so often what we experience is the exact opposite. And then we wonder why, why the world is the way it is today. Why so many of us struggle with some of the mental health issues that we talked about in the last series. Why almost 50% of marriages end in divorce. Why half the working population is unsatisfied in their job. Why more and more kids are being placed on medications and having to go to therapy. Why so many of us struggle with internal feelings of I can never be enough, do enough, achieve enough, all these sorts of things. I mean, I'm sure it's not the only reason why we struggle, but come on, it would be foolish to look past this upside down ratio of positive to negative we live with. We just live with so much negativity and we suffer as a result. The world around us, our culture suffers. And I, I know this is probably not the only reason, but I think it's one of the big reasons why God tells us, instructs us to encourage one another, to use our words to actually lift one another up. And I know sometimes when we think of encourage, you know, we think of like flattery or something. That's, that's not it, okay? Flattery is a sin. It's not, encouragement doesn't just mean repeating some motivational quote we found on Pinterest. Like, it's, it's deeper than that. It's more than compliments. It's more than just being kind. It's, it's more than just these general well wishes we throw out there. It's deeper than that. I was looking up several different definitions. Okay, what does encouragement actually mean? And, and this is the best one I could find. Encouragement means to inspire, support, or build up someone's confidence, spirit, or hope. That you and I, we can use our words to actually lift people. Encouragement is, is choosing to focus on or share the positives as a way of literally helping one another. It's not just good ideas. It actually makes a difference. And we see several proverbs about this in the Old Testament. One of them says, some people make cutting remarks. Maybe that's the person sitting next to you. But the words of the wise bring healing. There's power in the words that we choose to use. Another proverb says, gentle words are a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. 
Some of us could share stories, painful stories about our spirits being crushed by words that a loved one chose to use at a certain time. One more proverb says this, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and actually healthy for the body. According to the wisest man who ever lived, King Solomon, who got his wisdom directly from God, our words absolutely do make a difference. We can use our words to tear down and destroy, or we can use our words to build up and to lift one another. And those of us, when, when, when we have been on the receiving side of encouragement, we all know how impactful that is. I, I mean, not just somebody throwing out some compliment walking by, but like when we've had people tell us before, hey, you know what, you, you really shine tonight. Or man, I, I, can, I can tell what, how hard you worked on that project. Or I, I believe in you. Or if we've ever had somebody tell us, I'm so proud of who you are. We know what a game changer that can be. Some of us, man, we would have given anything to hear words like that growing up. Some of us would give all the money in the world right now to hear that from a spouse or a parent or a boss. We are starving for encouragement. We all know encouragement when we, we know what a difference it makes in our lives. But yet for some reason as a culture, we tend to just brush by this. We tend to think like, yeah, that's a good idea if I get around to it, you know? Yeah, I mean, this, this is not high on probably any of our priority lists, right? It's a nice thing to do. Maybe when I'm done with my other, you know, 3,000 to-do lists, maybe I'll get to this one. We, we think, generally speaking, encouraging one another doesn't really make that big of a difference. But God sees it otherwise. And, and you know what? Instinctively, we all know otherwise as well. Every single one of us, man, the, the truth is, reality is, we should be encouraging one another. We just should. We should become more encouraging people. It will make a difference in every relationship we have in our home, in our workplace, extended family, our schools, our neighborhoods. It would be a game changer with so much negativity around. If you and I could simply become more encouraging people, it would change everything. And it really is. I mean, it, if you want a three-step plan, do it. It's notice it, act on it, and be specific. Notice it more often. Make an effort to notice. Act on it right away. If you think of something good to share with somebody, man, text them, email them, send your carrier pigeon, whatever. Just do it right away and be specific. We can make a difference in the relationships that we have if we would simply encourage one another. It's God's instruction for life, and it's good for life. However, for those of us who are Christians, which is maybe not all of us here, but those of us that have put our trust in Jesus to be made right with God, there's extra motivation for this. That God has, God has given us this instruction as, as something we ought to do or should do or however you, you want to phrase it. This encouragement thing, it's not so we can be right with God, but it's meant to be a response to already being made right with God. That from God's perspective, this, this encouraging thing, it's not supposed to be optional. It's not meant to be just an add-on. It's actually his 
character that he wants to develop in us. And it all stems back to Jesus' kind of big, overarching command for his followers. He talks about it during the Last Supper, and you know, it's, it's at the end of his three years of ministry, and he's taught on mountainsides and done miracles and tried to corral this, you know, ragtag group of guys to understand what he was trying to do. And at this Last Supper, sitting around with his closest friends, he just simplifies everything down to the lowest common denominator. And Jesus says this, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. He's got his friends. He says, listen, this is, this is basically it. Okay, I'm not going to be around forever. I'm going to be leaving soon. Here's everything you need to know. Everything I've taught, everything I've said, every lesson I've had. If you find yourself in a situation where you don't know what to do, here's the one thing you need to remember. Love one another. That's going to cover it all. Okay, Jesus simplified the, you know, all 613 Jewish laws and commands into the most important two, love God and love your neighbor. It's the same sort of thing here. Everything about being a follower of Christ is love one another. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but love is one of those weird words. You know, it's so misinterpreted in our world today. It's so misrepresented. Love can mean so many different things. We're not going to do an in-depth study on what love means, but as far as Jesus' commandment to his followers, part of what this means is to encourage one another. There's no doubt about it. From, from God's perspective, us encouraging one another is meant to be a direct response to what God has done in us through Jesus. And in several different times in the New Testament, we see this played out. One of them is in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. He says this, Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, don't use foul or abusive language, which that right there has more to do with negative talk and division between people than it does with swearing. That's a tangent, but I just wanted to say it. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Here we see this, this perfect tie. It starts with Jesus. Because of what God has done for us through Jesus, because of our faith in him, because of this relationship that Jesus made possible, here's how we ought to live. And between verse 21 and 29, there's a whole bunch of instructions of how this ought to play out in our lives. But one of those is very clearly to encourage one another. Part of the way we love one another like God loved us through Jesus is by encouraging one another. In other translations or other versions, it says to build each other up according to the other person's needs. Encouragement is not so we can get what we want out of somebody. Encouragement is not a way of manipulating people. Encouragement is not selfish. It is selfless. Like the love that God displayed for us through Jesus. I want to help you. I want to lift you up. I see this in you. I want you to know. I want you to be encouraged. We see almost the same sort of thing in, uh, in Hebrews. The author says, and so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Again, we, we have access to a relationship with our heavenly father. We can go right to the throne of God. What an incredible privilege because of Jesus. 
Now, because of what Jesus has done, here's how we ought to respond to this incredible gift. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but actually, man, let's encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It starts with Jesus, his love for us as the big overarching principle, and then the specific application is to motivate and encourage one another. Kevin and I were just talking earlier this week and we we're just kind of daydreaming. What do, you, what do you think the early church did? You know, in the first century, Jesus is gone. This Christian movement is just getting started. What do you think their meetings were like? And we were just talking back and forth. And I mean, they didn't have big fancy buildings with lights and sound, right? They didn't have TVs to use as visual aids. They, they couldn't even read the Bible yet, okay? All the letters weren't written and certainly not available. And most of them would have been illiterate anyway. So what would their, when they got together, when they wanted to gather, what do you think it looked like? And I don't have any concrete evidence to support this, right? I wasn't there, but I can imagine it was just a lot of this. Just a lot of encouraging one another. I'm sure when they got together, they would just remind each other about who God was and what he'd done. I'm sure they would probably, you know, encourage one another. Hey, you don't, you don't give up. I know there's persecution going on, but you don't give up and I'm not going to give up. And we're going to, we're going to be in this thing together. Don't shrink back. Let's, let's stay strong together. I'm sure they sung songs that would remind them of who God was and what he'd done through Jesus to recall to their memory and lift their spirits. I'm confident most of their meetings would have been spent just praying for one another, that God would continue to make himself real, that God would work through them. They could use their gifts, that that they would, I, I'm just sure it was like the most awesome sort of kumbaya thing that ever existed. Just this this one anothering one another and just say, hey, let's, let's keep going. God is awesome. He is good. Let's stay at it. I mean, when we really understand what God has done for us through Jesus, how could we not be encouraged? And how could we not want to share that with one another as well? I believe, man, when the early church got together, it was just a bunch of, you're in this, I'm in this, we're together, we're a team, God is good, mm, let's keep going. He's coming back soon, so until then, by golly, we got this thing, you know? And I'm sure it was an awesome experience, and it was great, but, but here's the thing, this, this encouragement piece, it's even deeper than just so Christians get along with one another. I mean, that's cool, you know, that's awesome, we should do that, but, but there's an even deeper, deeper, more long-lasting reason behind this. And it's actually that, that we're supposed to be a sign to the world. If we look back at Jesus' instruction, he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you, which is a crazy thing to think about. You should love each other. But here's the big question. Why? Why would this be Jesus kind of, hey, there's one command I want you to follow this. Why? Well, thank goodness he tells us. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus just comes right out and says it very clearly. How you treat one another is going to be a direct evidence pointing back to me. How we encourage one another, I mean, love is obviously big, but specifically today, how we encourage one another or 
for some of us, how we don't encourage one another is going to be a direct reflection of the God that we claim to believe in. And, and I just wonder, do we get the weight of this? I know for me far too often, I don't. I miss it. I forget what's really at stake. I love the way Andy Stanley kind of takes this verse right here and kind of reinterprets it with, with his own words. He says this, Imagine a world where people were skeptical of what we believed, but envious of how well we treated one another. I just want us to think about that one for a minute. Just imagine a world, imagine in our homes, in our schools, at our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, apartment buildings, wherever we live. Imagine if the people around us, they, they might not believe everything we believe, but they wanted to lean in a little bit because of how well we treated one another. I mean, let's face it, the, the, the beliefs we have, the Christian faith, they're kind of out there a little bit. You know, when you think about it just from an outside perspective, objectively, we believe in one eternal God who has existed in three separate persons, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and the Son became flesh and literally made his dwelling among us, and he gave his life on a cross and died and then rose again three days later and ascended into heaven so we could be reconnected with our Heavenly Father. And as a result, now the Holy Spirit can fill our lives and we can actually have a relationship with God and we believe in a real, tangible, eternal place that we can't see yet. That's a little out there, okay? I can understand why some people might be skeptical of those beliefs. But what if, what if the way we treated one another could actually be something God could use to start cracking the door? When, it, when an outside world, that the way we treat one another would actually cause people who don't believe what we believe to actually stop and say, man, there's, there's something different in those Christians. Yeah, they believe some crazy stuff, but I'm, I kind of want to be like them. What if we could learn to one another, one another so well that other people wanted to be a part of one another? I mean, what just, what a novel idea, you know? And like, I think that's what Jesus was talking about. I think that's what he meant when he said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You see, the reality, the truth is this. Encouragement is more than just a responsibility. It's actually a reflection. The way we encourage, love one another, treat one another is a reflection of God. And we probably all know this, but man, the church, not, not talking about Axis Church maybe necessarily, but the big C around the world church of Jesus Christ, we don't really have that good of a reputation in the world. The church is more known for condemnation and judgment than anything else. Christians are just known, assumed to be condemning and judgmental people. And in our world, when they look at Christians, all they see is just people who are angry and against everything. You know, we're against homosexuals, we're against transgenders, we're against drinking and smoking or anything that the world thinks might be fun. God's just this killjoy and we're big giant hypocrites and we, we have this holier than thou attitude and we, uh, you know, dirty, rotten sinners and we thumb our nose at people. And that's, that's just what the world perceives in Christianity. 
And when the world sees that in Christians, you know who else they see that in? Okay, he's not really up there, but you know, God, right? What the world sees in us, they assume that's God as well. I think, this is just my opinion, but I think most people are not Christians today because of something that's hard to believe. I think most people aren't Christians because Christians are just hard people to be around. And man, that kind of stinks. I, I, I mean, what, what if we could be a part of changing people's perception about who God is by just learning to love one another and encourage one another and treat one another better? What if, what if we could learn to flip the script, you know? Encouragement is so, it, it's in such short supply in our world today. What if encouragement became abundant in the church of Jesus Christ? In you and I, okay, not the building, right? But in those of us that are Christians in our lives, I mean, what if, what if we could just, what if God could exude something different out of us? Encouragement is so downplayed in our world today. What if, what if in Christians it was lifted up? What if we could learn to flip the script on the positive to negative ratio? What if, what if again, people looking on the outside, they don't believe what we believe, but what if they were drawn to God simply because they saw in us this love and this encouragement for it. Don't you think it would make a difference? Man, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of a, a group of, of people, this movement of Christianity that, that makes that kind of difference in people's lives. But here's the thing that we all need to just be honest enough with ourselves to admit. We can't be encouraging on our own. You know, it's not something we're just like, ah, Sunday, I got this, good. Like, you don't, we don't squeeze it out of ourselves. It's something that God has to develop in us. As we spend time with God, as we enjoy a relationship with God, as we sense God's heart for us, and I believe he can transform our hearts to be the same way towards one another and to the world around us. The way we can become more encouraging is to simply ask God to make us that way. Father, thank you for the way that you have loved me. Now produce that same sort of thing in me towards others. It is. It really is on one hand that simple as just, God, you do your God thing in me. I wonder how many more people we could be a part of reaching, how many more people's eternities could be changed, how much bigger of a difference we could make in this world if we could simply allow God to transform our hearts, to love one another, and to encourage one another more. And so as we wrap up today, I just want to pray for that thing right there, okay? Nothing, nothing more than just asking God to work in us. And so would you just, uh, would you just pray with me as we talk to God together? Father, Thank you for your love, which I cannot even fully comprehend. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that you have, you have loved me more than I could ever possibly imagine. You are an encouraging God. Your heart is, is for me, is for all of us. And Father, I just want to ask you in my life and ask you on behalf of all of us, God, continue to do your God thing 
in us, and through us. May your will be accomplished, God. We want your heart to become our heart, and that's something that only you can do. And so we, we open ourselves up. We ask you to move in us. And Father, I pray that you would continue to shape us and mold us to better reflect you to the world around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.